0: As we continue this season of Advent, uh, we just have these really rich readings, a lot going on in them. Uh, one theme, especially in this beginning part of Advent, is is to be alert, to be awake, to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Uh, and that is a call for for each of us in some way a moral uh, repentance, a moral conversion, to look at our lives. To see, is my life directed towards God? Am I, am I toward him? Is he the most important thing in my life? And if not, to, 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 to shift, to pivot, to allow our lives to be changed. So part of Advent is, is this kind of inward gaze at ourselves, this, this recollection, this question of like, yeah, am, am I living as I ought to live? If God arrived tomorrow, what would I want to have changed about the way I've been living as of late? So... So that's part of the question. There's a moral aspect to our own hearts. John goes out and and preaches a baptism of repentance, saying, hey, y'all are sinners. You You need to change. And people said, yeah, true. And they would go down into the water and be baptized as a symbol of like, yeah, I want to put this old stuff away and I want to do something new. St. Peter is writing, again, about the fact that the Lord is coming, the day of the Lord, and so we want to make sure that we, we are living as we ought to live. The only reason he's not here yet is out of patience and love for us, so that we have time to change our minds, to turn back to him. He says some people say that God's delayed. He's like, no, no, he's not delayed, he's patient. He's patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish but he wants everyone to come to repentance. Again, repentance means to turn to him, to be ordered, oriented toward God. So, so, let us conduct ourselves now in holiness and devotion. That means towards God, belonging to God, being eager to him. Not only waiting the coming of the Lord, but even hastening it. That's an interesting phrase. Some of us don't want to hasten it, yeah? We're like, can I get an extra year? <laughs> like, that'd be great. no we are to hasten the day of the Lord. It's like he's so eager to draw close to us, but he's waiting until we we turn to him. So Advent, in some ways, is about the coming together of these two different things. Us turning towards God, sure, but even more importantly, him coming for us. Anytime we we see either one to extreme, we kind of lose our way. If we think it's all about us, us getting ourselves to salvation and to God, well, that's going to be pretty miserable because you can't do it, Right? But also if we 're just doing whatever and not thinking about it and just being like oh god 'll take care of everything it kind of but like you got you got to be willing to participate we have to be willing to receive his his salvation to receive his love to be turned towards him so so there 's this um, this play, this dance between the two, this call to turn our lives and our hearts to God, but also this this uh Eagerness for his salvation to come to us because we all need saved. We're going to drill down into the first reading. First reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Our best guess is that this part of the prophet Isaiah was written during a very low time of the, the history of Israel called the Babylonian exile. That's going to be on the final. Write that down. So, what is the Babylonian exile? quick overview of the history of Israel. Ready? Everybody ready? Okay. Israel becomes a country, a nation after the exodus. They're brought out of Egypt into the land. David is the first king. Eventually there's other kings and the kingdom splits to the north and the south. Eventually the northern kingdom in the 700s is wiped out by the Assyrians. So now there's just the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. Judah is invaded in the year 580-something by the Babylonians and taken over, and the people are exiled. They're taken away from Israel into Babylon. Babylon is modern-day Iraq. And there they wait for God's salvation. So this part of the letter was lightly proclaimed. Excuse me, not part of the letter. This part of the prophet Isaiah was proclaimed to the people during this time. They've been exiled, taken away from Israel, which would have been a horrible loss, much worse than, like, traveling abroad today. I mean... Imagine the difference in language and culture from your home. Uh, it would have just been awful. They had lost the temple. They would lost everything. So now they're in this strange land under the oppression uh, and the rule of the most powerful nation on the earth. And they know that they're there in some ways because of their faithlessness to God. So in the middle of that place, the place of defeat, the place of exile, the place of just terrible loss... What are the opening words of this section from God's heart to his people? What does he say? Comfort. Give comfort to my people. Speak tenderly. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim that her service is at an end. Her guilt is expiated. There's just such tenderness in God's heart as he draws close to them. He's saying, hey, I'm coming. I'm coming to save you. A voice cries out, In the desert prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wasteland a highway. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain shall be made low. Rugged land shall be made a plain. The rough country a broad valley. Because why? Because God's going to do something. So this road needs to be made because God's going to do something. Now, when I was a kid and I heard this reading, I thought God was being like, literally like, Okay, everybody, grab your shovels. (laughs) If you see a mountain... Just flatten that out in a valley, fill it up. And you re- I just, I would read it and be like, that's so tired, that's exhausting. No, but what's going on is saying, like, the earth itself needs to prepare for something that God's going to do. In the same way that the Red Sea had to part because God was leading his people through, whether that you liked it or not, God was going to bring his people, save them from Babylon, and bring them back to Israel. So it's like creation itself had to prepare the way. And then he calls to, uh, through the prophet, he says, go up on a high mountain, Zion. Zion is the mountain where the temple was, the mountain of Jerusalem. That's what Zion is. So go out on that mountain and cry out at the top of your voice, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with power. He rules by his strong arm. So the people have been exiled, but back in Zion, back in Jerusalem, this cry is to go out to be ready for God to come. And there's this image of God coming across the desert, across the wilderness, uh, with his recompense before him, his reward with him. And what is his reward, his recompense? That's his people. So God is going to come, he's going to grab his people, and he's going to bring them back home. Like a shepherd feeds his flock and gathers his lambs in his arms carrying them in his bosom and leading the youths with care. So it's this is a beautiful message of God's salvation. Fun fact, uh, this happened. The Babylonians got conquered by the Persians. And Cyrus the Persian, the king of Persia, had an interesting policy. And that was any conquered people were to be sent home to practice their own religion. And they were to be given money to rebuild anything that was lost. So the people of Israel were delivered from Babylon... They were sent home with money in their pockets to go build the temple again. Like God intervened. God was true. He was faithful to them. Like he keeps his promises. But we're not just reading it because it's like, oh, isn't that nice what happened? No, folks, there is an even greater salvation that's coming. And even though the, the space between us and salvation or us and God might feel like it's full of just like wasteland and crag and there's no clear path through it, life feels kind of complicated, you feel kind of stuck at times, it's like that's, that's not a problem. What we see as obstacles, God sees as a highway. I mean, there's, there, is no, there is no obstacle between you and him, between salvation and your current situation. God can command all things to part so he can bring you to himself to lead you home. The people don't have to fight for, through the wilderness to get home. No, God brings them. We don't have to fight our way to heaven. No, God's going to bring us. But we do have to, to let him, right? To surrender. Yeah, to, to, to offer ourselves into his hand. So God's coming to save you. Whether or not God is going to save you is not a question. The question is will you allow yourself to be saved? Will you allow yourself to be scooped up by him? Will you allow yourself to be handed into his care and into his love? Or will we go about our own way and do our own thing? That's the question. So the great call of Advent is to turn our hearts and our minds to God, but also with this hopeful, joyful anticipation because he's coming. He's he's coming to save us. Behold. Behold, here's your God fear not. He comes with power. He comes to, to save us. Um, you know, what do we need? What do our hearts need? I think we need to know that he's coming for us. Us personally and specifically in a very specific way. Yeah? God is coming for you. He is focused on you. He cares about you. He notices you and he's going to do everything to save you. And he's going to save you into eternal life, internal joy, to fill all the deep places of your heart, to give you everything you desire. His salvation is, is bliss, it's joy, it's fulfillment. But let's ask him to assure our hearts, God, I need to know that you're coming for me. That you desire me, that you're going to save me.